the biggest hurdle that I'm always trying to overcome in life is my ability to surrender. Mm. Because with surrender, everything good is on the other side. <laughs> Your face, Brittany. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Spirit touched me. Hi, I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds, the weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture we rarely discuss in mixed company. On today's show, we've got actress, host, and fellow bison, Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins. You may have seen her on TV or on the big screen in Dear White People, Bad Hair, and Grand Crew, but she's here today to talk about her new podcast, Trials to Triumphs. On Trials to Triumphs, Ashley interviews her friends, mentors, and inspirations as they open up about the trials that led to their famous triumphs. Some of her guests include Aisha Hines, Amber Riley, Logan Browning, and even Miss Kelly Rowland. In today's conversation, we'll get into the podcast, Ashley's career as an actress, her full circle moments, and much, much more. Tune in for my interview with Ashley right after this break. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, welcome to For Colored Nerds. For our listeners who are perhaps meeting you for the first time, yes, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am an entertainer. I'm an actor. I'm a content creator. I'm a podcast host. I have my brand new podcast. Yes. I'm a public speaker. I am a motivator. And I'm a lover of all good things. Yeah. <laughs> I love that title, lover of all good things. Well, one of those good things that you have right now is a podcast, as you mentioned, from the Oprah Winfrey Network, Trials to Triumphs. On Trials to Triumphs, I fully intend to get some of your faves and my faves to open up about all of the things that really mattered to them, the people and places that shaped them, and the lessons along the way. We'll talk about the no that changed actress Danielle Brooks's life. Talk to us about the show and how it came about. I know that oftentimes when I have been given inspiration, nuggets for someone from someone, it's come from their trials. And I think that oftentimes we are celebrating people's triumphs 
and hoping to get inspiration there, but not realizing everything they went through in order to get there. And that's mm-hmm. truly where the lesson is. And mm. I wanted to bring that to people all around the world because I know how much it's helped me in my journey and my trajectory. And I also just wanted trials to be a safe space. And I know that we're using that word a lot now, you know, creating safe spaces in many different arenas. Mm-hmm. But you know, the only way for this to work is if it's a safe space for my guests to really share and be transparent. All up and down, all in the city, all up and down. Okay. Like me and my friend, I don't know if I should get into this, but me and my friends, <laughs> get into it. Me and my friends would be like shoplifting at like, what's it like? Woolworths. We were in Woolworths, oh. okay? <laughs> But that's going to require Google for this generation. (laughs) So it has been a blessing. I'm so proud of it. Own couldn't be a better place for it. Uh, Mm. So it's amazing. As you mentioned, like like the podcast focuses on those difficult moments that typically precede a big come up. Talk to me about one of those moments in your own career as an entertainer. Oh, my goodness. So many. (laughs) I feel like they happen every other day. You know, I'm I'm getting used to them, like, bobbing and weaving through them now. But um, it was 2016, and I had booked my very first network pilot. And I was like, this is everything I've been working for. Mm -hmm. This is going to catapult me into success. This is it. It's with CBS. I get to go to New York and shoot. Like, it was a whole thing. And at the same time... Justin Simeon, the writer, creator, producer, the amazing person who created Dear White People, and he's a dear friend of mine as well, mm-hmm. he was hitting me up at the same time saying, hey, like, I think Netflix might be trying to do the show version of Dear White People, like, and I want you to be in it. And I was like, yeah, okay, Justin, yep, okay, well, like, <laughs> let me know when that happens. And not, like, not in a way that was diminishing what it was, but mm-hmm. he was saying it very casually, kind of like, I think this Netflix thing might happen. I was like, okay, like, let but me know. But it didn't seem sure. Yeah, It didn't seem sure. And I was like, I'm doing this pilot. I remember Justin saying like, well, in like a joking friend way, like, well, I hope it doesn't go. And I remember being like, oh, it's <laughs> definitely going. And it was really just because he wanted me for his project on Dear White People. But again, it wasn't a real thing. Nothing was signed. It was not, a not like nothing was for sure. So I go to shoot this pilot, had a blast. And make a long story short, that year, the pilot that I did was the only drama pilot that CBS didn't pick up. Like, they literally picked up, like, 49,000 pilots. And the one that I was on was the only one they did. It was, like, the most they had (laughs) ever picked up. It was crazy. And so I'm literally just, like, on deadline, like, do-do-do-do-do. I see that it doesn't get picked up. And I literally have a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack in my life until that moment. Oh, my gosh. I think that it was, like, cumulative, right? I think it was, like, I put all of my hopes and dreams into this thing, thinking that Mm. this was going to take me where I wanted to go. I put everything in it. And I would never do that again, but I needed to learn that then. And so when it didn't go, it felt like everything was taken from me. It was almost like I forgot all of the wonderful things I had already done and the places that God was going to take me. It was like I just had a moment of complete amnesia and I could not remember all of the things that I knew were were promised to me in my life. And Then, not long after, Justin called me and said, hey, so your pilot didn't get picked up. I'm like, yeah, I'm like still devastated and reeling. He's like, well, don't worry. I have a job for you. Do you want to come do Dear White People? Don't have to audition. 
You want to be wow. Joelle? Like, it was completely, I was like, my mouth was to the ground. It was that easy. He literally called me and was like, hey, so happy that I didn't get picked up. Well, I have a job for you. Do you want to come be Joelle and Dear White People and start doing chemistry reads with Sam's? And that's how I met Logan, who's one of my wow. dearest friends. So that is an example of a trial to a triumph. It's interesting. You went from this situation where you were hoping to be picked, waiting to be picked. Like you said, you were on Deadline Hollywood, just refreshing, trying to see you know, how it was going to turn out to you not having to audition. This project that you already were attached to, you know, because uh-huh. you were in Dear White People, the movie, that just came into your life. You didn't have to audition. You were able to be the anchor for the chemistry reads for the main character. It's wild. It's, it's interesting wild. when you let go of something. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I talk about this all the time on Trials to Triumphs, but like the biggest hurdle that I'm always trying to overcome in life is my ability to surrender. Mm. Because with surrender, everything good is on the other side. <laughs> Your face, Brittany. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Spirit touched me. Girl, surrender. (laughs) Because this is the other thing. Suffering comes from a lack of faith. Mm. That's it. And I think people don't understand what suffering is. Suffering is anxiety. Suffering is pain. Suffering is sadness. Suffering is worry. Suffering is like all-encompassing and all of that, right? And most of that is wrapped up in a lack of faith and a lack of trust in what your journey is and that it will be everything it's supposed to be. And so I'm trying to get closer to surrender in order to lessen my suffering. Okay, I'm gonna, I got to pause you here before you go because you are giving <laughs> Reverend Dr. Ashley. <laughs> I want to go back to the podcast a little yeah. bit. You know, on the podcast, you talk with some of Hollywood's biggest stars. You're talking to Kelly Rowland, Estelle, Robin Thede. You're talking to so many beacons of Black Hollywood and and, mm-hmm. and so many of our favorite working actors and musicians. And you get the true stories behind their success, like the yeah. real stories, not just yeah. the ones that they give in like the, the cover story interview. You're getting the real yeah. stories. Yeah. And the conversations get deep, like how you just got deep with me right now. What's a moment from the podcast that has forever changed how you see the world? Honestly, it was with Melinda Williams. Mm. So I had Melinda Williams, who was an amazing actress, author, phenomenal producer. She's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she shared so much of herself with me. But what was beautiful about it was that Melinda was an actor that I spent my teenage years wanting to be. You know, mm. I begged my parents to let me stay up late to watch Soul Food on Showtime, yes, yes. you know, which came on at like, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but I I literally told my parents, like, listen, I know I need to be in bed for school, but like, this is like education for me. I'm so mm. inspired by the actors. Like one day, mom and dad, I want to do this. So to have the opportunity to share that with her and to have her be a guest on a platform that I created to share inspiration with the world in the same way that she had shared so much inspiration with me that she didn't even realize until I was able to tell her was such a beautiful moment because it showed me that like, it's true, my steps are ordered. Like Mm. who could have imagined that these dots would connect in this way? And now, you know, what's cool is that now that I've been, you know, acting professionally for forever in a day, 
Mm. I'm able to relate to Melinda in a way and relate to her story and look back at that time on Soul Food when, again, I was just idolizing the triumphs and not (laughs) knowing what was going on behind the scenes. And now that I'm 34, I can relate in a way that's like, I totally get it. You know, and I can mm. pass that on to another actress that's coming up behind me. That, for me, is like what the goal is. It's always about reaching back and bringing somebody back up with me. And so to be able to do that with Melinda in tandem on my podcast was really a dream. You start to see yourself as a part of a lineage, as somebody yeah. who's able to be inspired by somebody who, you know, is a little ahead of you down the road and absorb their knowledge and experience and being able to pay that forward, especially now that you say you've been acting forever in a day. Like little Ashley, <laughs> who was up watching Soul Food, probably was dreaming of that moment, but it wasn't tangible yet. It's yeah. so amazing. It's crazy. And now there's teenagers who are asking their parents to stay up late to watch Dear White People to get through one more episode. You know, like it mm-hmm. it really is this beautiful cycle and this lineage that I'm a part of. And it's a blessing. Yeah. You played a character that so many people loved, so many people's fave, Joelle Brooks on Dear White People. And let me just start by saying that Joelle, she was that girl. (laughs) Beauty, brains, spice, perfect hair, total package. And and also, you know, she had some of the most memorable, I think, moments on the show. There's this one line in season two, episode five, Mm -hmm. uh, where Joelle says... It's just that when I look in the mirror, I see someone who's beautiful and talented and always the second one you think of. This world is not kind to the Kellys. This world is not kind to the Kellys, as in the Kelly Rollins of the world, referring to herself as being aware that she is treated, you know, like second fiddle mm-hmm. to the lighter skinned women who are around her, specifically her best friend, Sam. Yeah. And you brought this line up in your episode with Kelly Rowland to mm-hmm. Kelly Rowland. I, I really want to talk to you about representation. You know, and Dear White People, actually in season two, episode five, I have this, you know, small monologue, but I'm talking about the Kellys of the world and how Joelle in Dear White People feels like a Kelly of the world and how, mm-hmm. you know, darker skinned women are oftentimes overlooked. Uh, you know, right. we're not represented in the way that we should. Have you felt like a large responsibility with that? Are you kind of just like, I am who I am, I'm beautiful, and it just is what it is. I don't, you don't feel the huge weight of the responsibility. I feel the responsibility sometimes, but I, I feel like we have. I think that we're continuing to evolve right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're seeing more chocolate women in in places, in spaces where they should have been for a very long time. <laughs> so, um, but being a part of that makes you know, me and, feel and you good. and Kelly are friends now, and you met while working on Bad Hair. I believe that this episode of Dear White People was filmed before you guys had met. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. How was that for a a full circle moment, being able to reference that line uh, with so few words? It says so much about how colorism shows up, not just in the entertainment world, but in our everyday lives and experiences. What was it like to, to break that moment down with the person who inspired it? Such a full circle, beautiful moment. Kelly is truly a dear, dear friend of mine. I've always been honored to be a Kelly 
quote unquote, of the world Mm. because she's always represented so much to me before we became friends. I mean, obviously, you know, when I looked at Destiny's Child and looked for myself, I saw it in Kelly. You know what I mean? Like, I've been dancing to Destiny's Child, but feels like my whole life, you know, singing along (laughs) to all their albums. So to have her in my life and to have her on the podcast talking about this moment that a character I played who also was inspired by Kelly Rowland, you know, just in a character sense, it's Mm -hmm. just all of the things. And to me, it just shows like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because here's the thing about me. My career, I always want to feel like it's a love letter to Black women. Mm. It's always for us. I don't want anybody to ever be confused about that. And the roles that I take, in the content that I create, in mm-hmm. the spaces that I want to be in and also want to curate and create, it's always for us first. And so what I love about my relationship with Kelly is that we share that. And that honestly is how we're so close and we bond is because mm. we see the world and we see our careers and what we want to give the world in the same way. That's so beautiful. That was one of the things that I felt when, you know, experiencing that episode, which was like one of Joelle's big first episodes, is that I think that in other hands, right, that moment could have been damaging and mean mm. and kind of like her not fe- like feeling bad about herself. But instead, because it was, you know, this moment from a show created by Black people and you were involved and Justin's involved, it became this moment where Joelle's like, no, 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 no. I know mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I know who I am. It's other people who got it fucked up. Yeah. I thought that was so important. You know what else I think is interesting about that Hmm. scene, which I looked at and realized later? Hmm. In that scene, she's talking to Gabe, who is a white man. Right. And Gabe is a really good friend of hers, her best friend, Sam's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But what I think is interesting about that is that she's saying this to Gabe, who really doesn't understand what she's talking about, right? No. But I think that just goes to show he didn't have to understand. I think it was more so just she needed to say it out loud. She Mm. needed to say that to herself. She needed to acknowledge her feelings in a way that it didn't matter if it was in the company of her white friend, her Mm. homegirls, whatever it was. It was just, it was the time for it to come out. And what was beautiful about it is that, although I don't think Gabe really understood, he loves Joelle so much that he just was there in support and in solidarity with her in that moment, with her having that moment, which I thought was kind of a, you know, an example of just allyship, not in the sense of race, but in just the sense of friendship. He just was Mm. like, I'm showing up for you. I don't get it. I'm a white, straight man, but I see that you're kind of going through it and I'm here for you. And I love you, Joelle. And I love that. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra sharp cheddar cheese. (sighs) We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What was the viewer response to oh. that moment? And just the viewer response to Joelle as a character overall. Because I was talking to one of my very best friends on the phone yesterday, white man. And he was like, yes. I told him I was talking to you today. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, she's an actress. She went to Howard. She's on DRP. He's like, Joelle? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> just know you got fans. You oh got my fans. gosh. I love that. Well, hi, best friend. Hi. This is the beautiful thing about it, right? Mm-hmm. The audience fan response to Dear White People, to that specific moment in the season, to Joelle as a character, was that I think everybody feels seen by Joelle. That's the thing about Joelle as a character that I really love. Like, you just said your best friend is is a white man, right? But there's something about Joelle that resonates with him. There's something about Joelle that he's into, that he gets, (laughs) right? And I think that Joelle is kind of like, to me, she was a character that, that was everybody. Mm. At different points in in the series, everybody can relate to Joelle. I think specifically for Black women, though, Joelle makes you feel seen. I mean, I felt incredibly seen. I mean, I remember reading that particular line from season two, episode five, mm-hmm. and just exhaling like, oh, God, I've never even been able to say that out loud. Wow. You know, so to be able to do that through a character... You know, it's not that I hadn't felt it, but I don't know that I had said it in in that way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's really kind of hard in these streets. Like, I might have said it in a passive way before with friends or like whatever. But Joelle, to me, in that scene, is very serious. She's very like it's rough, and it, and I'm kind of tired of it. I don't really know why because I know that I'm beautiful and smart and kind and all of these wonderful things. But for some reason. Because I'm I'm darker skinned, the world doesn't see me the way I see myself, and I don't really mm. understand why. And I think that's why we use the Kellys of the world, because Kelly is undeniably all good things. There's nothing to deny about her. Look, she is gorgeous, <laughs> talented. She's all of the things. It's been so amazing to see her receive the love that she deserves. And she always will because she's a good person. And I think, mm. again, that's why Joelle relates. Joelle is or was, she's a great character. She's a good person. And so, yeah, I mean, I still to this day, it just always tickles me and just makes me feel so good just at how much people love Joelle and particularly just appreciate the life that I breathed into her. That means a lot as an actor. You know, as an actress, you seem to have consistently worked on Black led projects, mm-hmm. you know, working with 
Justin Simeon and Lena Waithe on, on the original Dear White People and Lena on Hello Cupid and Justin with Bad Hair and Phil Augusta Jackson and Grand Crew and so on and so forth. So many conversations with Black actors. They tend to center on representation or center on the experience of being a Black actor trying to move through Hollywood whiteness. And mm-hmm. not to downplay or discount those experiences, but it seems like, you know, being a Black actress who's been able to really sustain herself through working with primarily Black creators, mm-hmm. it almost feels rare. Talk, talk to me about, about what it's meant to you as a Black actress to work on so many Black productions. It's everything. It really is. It is the dream. You know, I always want my career to feel like a love letter to Black women. I always want Black women to know that I have them in mind with every character that I take on. And so mm. the way that that can best be protected is when people who look like you and I are at the forefront of whatever project it is. Mm. So it allows me then to come in as an actor and feel much freer, uh, have more fun. Just little things. It's funny. I'm always bumped when I watch a show or a movie and a Black actor or actress like doesn't put anything on their hair before bed. Now, here's the thing. I know some of us Some of us are not bonnet scarf people, right? I know some of us Mm -hmm, don't do that. mm -hmm. So shout out to those of you who don't. But majority of us either got a satin pillowcase, we got a bonnet, we got a scarf, we got a a little piece to tie down the edges. We doing something Something. at night, putting it in a roller. A roller, something. Something. We're doing (laughs) something to protect our tresses, a do-rag, whatever it is. And so that's the beauty of being oftentimes on Black Productions is I don't have to say that. They knew Joelle needed a scarf every time she was about to go to sleep. I didn't play that, you know? And there's a way that I don't have to explain that. And that's just one example. Or I feel more protective when it comes to hair and makeup, right? Mm. I know that they're going to understand my needs and concerns as it pertains to that aspect of showing up and being, you know, an actor on a set. The problem, though, is that no matter if it's a Black-led production or not, productions Mm -hmm. still need to be more diverse. I still feel like there's a space for us in Black-led content, but there needs to be even more spaces for us in non-Black-led content. You know Mm. what I mean? And we've come so far, but in my opinion, we still have a long way to go. Because here's the thing. With Black people, I don't feel seen as a monolith, right? Because I know that you know that we are... yeah vast and we are just all encompassing. The problem is that everybody else doesn't know that. So oftentimes they're looking for one type of Black girl, one type of Black guy. And if you don't fit into that box, then everyone's confused. Nobody knows what to do with you. (laughs) And you just go to the side. And that I want us to get out of. I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that, like, we aren't a monolith. (laughs) That's something, of course, that, you know, I've known my entire life. But there is a place on Earth where that is, like, the living, breathing truth all of the time. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, of course, the illustrious Howard University, the Mecca in Washington, Mm D.C. Like Eric and I, you studied at Howard. One of the things that I loved the most about going there is that... Because Black is neutral, because it is just what most people that you encounter at Howard are, Mm -hmm. so many other aspects of my personality were able to come to the fore. It was easier for me to learn 
because that barrier of misunderstanding, sometimes willful misunderstanding was not there. (laughs) And so I, I wonder from you, looking back, how did your time at Howard prepare you for a career in Hollywood? Oh my gosh. It's funny now that we're thinking about this. I kind of feel the same way about going to Howard that I feel about getting married. And that sounds Mm. crazy, but this is what I mean. I came to Howard with so many great tools. But once I got through Howard, to and through Howard, the tools were just greater and better. And I was more equipped. It's the same thing I feel about marriage. I feel like Mm. all the tools that Daryl and I had before we got married, they only increased once we got married. We only got more of it. And I think that really prepared me for Hollywood because, again, you come out here, it's a a sea of a lot of bullshit, but it's a sea of excellence, too. (laughs) A lot of actors, most actors came to L.A., wanting to act because they're good actors and want a career in entertainment just like I do. So I had to, and I have to continue to find ways to make people know that this is something that you only get with me. Mm. I cannot be duplicated. And if you want that, this is where you're going to get it. If not, then you have to go, you know, somewhere else. But there has to be a confidence in that. And I think Howard really helped me hone in on the confidence of who I am and knowing that that's enough. Mm, That confidence, that is an essential ingredient, I think, for getting, honestly, for pushing forward after a certain point in, in any career. But it seems essential to being an actor, you are essentially pitching yourself as the product every time you walk into the room. You're trying yeah. to read somebody else's words and get your face into somebody else's mind as this character. And it can be really tough on people. Like so many people describe Hollywood as this place of, you know, full of backstabbing and double crossing, as you mentioned, a, a, a sea of bullshit also. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, you seem to have formed some genuine relationships with your fellow Black actresses and entertainers. And we hear a lot of that come through in the podcast. Like you really have personal connections to everybody you're speaking with. How did you cultivate those nurturing relationships and and how vital have they been to your success? That's such a great question because it's it's everything. It's been everything to my success. Like I really want Mm. people to understand that everything, whether it's people I've just looked up to that have shared their trials to triumphs journey with me and that's how I got to this podcast, right? Or if it's just friends of mine that we've come up together and, and I call them, I talk about this on my podcast a lot too, and just in my public speaking, I call them my destiny advocates because mm. they're more than just friends. They are men and women who remind me of my destiny and where I'm headed when at times I just don't have the strength to do it for myself. Because the thing about it is that it can be exhausting to always lift your, pick yourself back up every time after rejection, to give yourself the pep talk, to celebrate the the losses. That's hard to do. Mm. So it's important to have people in place and in your life who can sense that and know exactly what to say. Like, I was just talking to one of my best friends, Christina Elmore, uh, who's just an incredible actress. Oh, she's a great actress from, uh, so many of us know her from 20s. Insecure. Insecure. Yeah, she's, oh, she's just amazing. She's one of my very best friends. And we were talking yesterday in the car, and this girl was speaking so much life into me. She was reminding, that's the thing, she was reminding me mm. of things that I said seven years ago that I didn't remember. But when they're your friends, when wow. they're people who are as invested in your journey and see where you're headed in, in seasons of your life where you can't see it, 
she's remembering something I said on her couch seven, eight years ago that I'm like, I didn't say that. She's like, yes, you did. And vice versa. There's things that I have to pour into her that I remember that I keep in my little tank to pull out to inspire her in times that she needs it. So I can't tell you how much it's changed my life. I don't know how I would have been able to survive in LA for almost 13 years without these wonderful human beings in my life. It would be impossible. So I always tell people that want to pursue a career in entertainment, that is one of the most important parts of it. You have to have the right people around you. If you have, if I had people around me that were negative, jealous, hating, mm. we would not be sitting here having this conversation, like at all. I would be packed up, I don't know, working somewhere else and not living here. There's no way that I could sustain. It's so interesting. The older that I get, I feel like I need that more. You know, you yeah. think it, you think like you get older, you get more experience under belt under your belt, and you're you know in your case, you're getting more roles, you're getting more meetings, uh, more people know who you are. The checks are getting bigger, but it's almost like it can be harder to believe it for some reason. I think once you start to really understand mm. just how hard it is to be successful, maintain that success while trying to be a decent person. All of it is hard. And so you really do need people that are continuing to breathe that life into you. And honestly, it's amazing, you know, now talking to you and really learning more about how you think about your career. The podcast is really a reflection of that, of like your ethos and approach to your career. The mm. podcast is just that in audio form. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And again, that makes me feel incredibly seen. And you're right. You know, the thing about success in general, but especially success in a career that is so difficult, there's just not a lot. I know it seems like there's a lot of options, but if there's, I don't know how many actors, a million actors out here, there's like, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> 4,000 jobs or something. So it's not, there's not like a ton to grab. But mm. what I'm learning is that, and I honestly, what, what got me here was the Kanye documentary. It was, I had a big epiphany from it. I had a big epiphany. And the epiphany was, nothing matters more than belief in yourself. Nothing. Nothing matters more when you are trying to obtain something mm. more than, nothing matters more than belief in yourself. Because here's the thing, belief is energy. Energy is transferable. If I believe something about myself truly and wholeheartedly, I can get you to believe it. But if I don't believe it, then it's very easy for you not to believe it. So I think it's more important than talent. I think it's more important than connection. Because also belief in yourself is what gives you the tenacity to keep going. If I believe that this is for me, if I believe that I truly want something, then really nothing else can stop me. No mm. force can stop that. And the energy eventually will be contagious. I love that. I love that so much. I want to talk about what's next for you. Yeah. So we all watched the first season. Everybody on this show watched the first season of Run the World. Oh, um, And we yeah. are ready for the second, <laughs> which you're going to be starring on. Yeah. Can you tell us anything, any thread of anything about your character and, and what's in store for the next season? Oh, yeah. So first of all, obsessed with Run the World, love everybody there. Like, it was literally like, I just had like a vacation in New York for a month and I had a blast. It was so much fun. <gasps> so my character's India Blue and Ooh. she's a singer-songwriter. And what I will say is 
She's coming to shake some shit up. That's all I got to okay. say. I mean, she's I'm ready. She's coming in and she's causing a little bit of havoc. But it was such a, a fun character to play. Was, I got to do a lot of scenes with Brisha, who's been a, a good friend for many, many, so many, 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 many years. I'm so proud of her. So it was it was great. It was it was a good time. Before I let you go, what else is next for you that you want to share with us? You know what's cool, Brittany? I'm in this season of my life where mm-hmm. I don't really know. But that is what I'm realizing the greatest part of the season is that because I don't know, God's putting me in a place where I have no option but to do what I said I've always been working on, which is surrender. And I don't know really what's on the horizon, but I know that they're good things. And I know that my podcast is bringing so many amazing opportunities and blessings into my life. And I'm excited to see just how the podcast will continue to grow and expand. And, you know, uh, Grand Crew got picked up for a second season. So the plan is that I go back to Grand Crew to hang out with those wonderful, amazing human beings over there. Again, I just literally just have fun with everybody I work with. So it's just like, (laughs) it's just a love fest every time. I've been really blessed in that regard. So it's really like kind of everything's kind of out for the taking. And I'm just excited to see where I'm going to land. Well, we are going to be watching and listening regardless of what you do. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. But I have one last thing before I let you go. You know, your episodes always end with a Sankofa moment. You know, Sankofa meaning go back and get it. Go back to your history. Very Howard. Remember Sankofa? The store? Uh, Yes. Yes, exactly. The bookstore. Exactly. Very, 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 very Howard. I loved it. And and so I'm going to close today by asking you, you know, just a question about a figure from Black history that resonates with you. And you've Mm -hmm. asked people everything from who's your Black history crush. (laughs) 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 And Robin Thede said Malcolm X, and I agree 150%, you know, to who's Kelly Rowland taking with her to Frenchie's in Houston to have fried chicken. And so I'm going to ask you, which figure from Black history, and you can only choose one, which figure from Black history are you taking to the club? Oh, well, oh my goodness. See, the thing about me is I, I'm i the one that avoids the club. That's the, that's the tea about so me. So who's I, taking <laughs> you to the club? Oh. <laughs> so who's getting you out? Woo! Okay, who's getting me out? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Lena Horne. Oh, good choice. We're going Say out. Why. Lena Horn and I are going out for a night on the town and having <laughs> filthy, dirty martinis. I don't even drink those, but I drink them with her. <laughs> yes. I approve this choice. I absolutely approve this choice. I absolutely Lena approve Horn. it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun and um, cannot wait to see you on the screen and hear you on my headphones very, very soon. Thank you, my friend. I had a blast. You're just a gift. Colored Nerds was created by me, Eric Eddings, and Brittany Luce. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams, story editor Gianna Palmer, social producer Elise Ellis, and engineer Marcus Hom. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from you so, so much. So please shout us out on Instagram at For Colored Nerds, on Twitter at For Colored Nerds. You can find us everywhere at For Colored Nerds. And tell your friends, too, We love it also when we're like, yo, my homie, cousin, best friend, 
told me to listen to this episode and it was bomb and then I subscribed. That's like my favorite song. So please do your do your friend, do your community a favor and share an episode and tell us which one it was. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.